Welcome to Adaptify. I'm Mike, I'm a paraplegic from New Zealand, and it's my mission to find the Adaptifiers of the world. People who have overcome challenges and found new, creative, interesting ways to be free despite needing to use a wheelchair for their mobility. Today's guest is Ira Edwards. He's an Alaskan hunter-gatherer extraordinaire. He's found ways to harvest the bounty of the sea and land from his wheelchair. And in many cases, as he'll describe, when he's out of his wheelchair, he's also incredibly community-minded, a talented uh, skier, and all-round good guy. So without further ado, let's hear from Ira Edwards. Welcome to the show. Hey, good to see you, Mike. We're good to visually uh, see you on my telephone. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, mate. Hey, so uh, look, first up, Ira, look, just just tell us a little bit about uh, how you ended up sharing your life with uh, with some wheels of variety of form. Just just set the theme, mate. Tell us tell us about who you who you are um, before you ended up uh, using using a wheelchair in particular, and um, and how that happened. Yeah, so uh, I got hurt November eighteenth, twenty ten. Uh, so almost eight years ago. But uh, I've I'm forty three years old. I've lived in Alaska since nineteen eighty three, so quite a while. And uh, Alaska is the farthest north state in the United States. So for those of you listening around the world, um, yeah. So it was a wonderful life. I grew up uh, running around out in the woods as a kid. Uh, learned how to ski after college. Uh, I raced cross country. Nordic skiing, the Nordic athlete for Rosignol skis, and uh, also spent a lot of time uh, working for that company. I've uh, been a rep for Rosignol skis since 1999, so my life has revolved around playing outside. My professional life, I was a research scientist uh, studying salmon biology for the state of Alaska, and I was really upset at all the poaching, and eventually. I moved into law enforcement to uh, work on the wildlife side of that and take care of that. I then got a job as a state park ranger, which has wildlife enforcement capabilities and also helping people have fun because a large portion of my life is playing outside. Um, and then in November, I was working on clearing some ski trails after a big windstorm before our Thanksgiving holiday, and a lean tree crushed me. So uh, it, uh, the windstorm had mostly knocked it down, but it, uh, it continued and got me. So I spent month in intensive care and four months in Denver at Craig Hospital. It's a rehab facility in Colorado and uh, started life all over again. Yeah, now you strike me as a pretty positive guy and I've no doubt you were before your, your accident, but did you ever find yourself in a place, you know, after your injury where you, you couldn't see the light, where you couldn't, couldn't see what was, uh, what was possible? It was hard in the beginning. Um, I mean, I go around now and as much as I can when I travel and find I have medical friends all over the world. So I talk to people in hospitals and talk to people in rehab centers to show them what you can do with your life. Nobody told me life could be fun again. And there was not a single doctor or medical professional that said, hey, you could do this, you could do that. So I found the internet and saw a variety of you can, can't do anything to you can do anything you want to do. And I was sure I was going to be running marathons again within a year. Uh, that was hard for me in the beginning. And then uh, there were a couple other people in the rehab hospital that were fairly gifted and talented athletes like me that actually one of them I knew from Alaska and he and I got hurt the same day. So we kind of pushed ourselves through rehab to get better so we could both do our respective sports. I was a skier. He was a snow machine rider, snowmobile for the rest of you people that aren't in Alaska. Um, 
he rode Skidoo's or he rode Red's Polaris. But uh, yeah, so both that kind of helped a lot. And then the Craig Hospital I had had an adaptive recreation center. So they spent a lot of time teaching you not just how to be alive, but how to live. So that was one of the reasons I decided to go to that hospital for rehab. Hey, so one of the first pieces of adaptive equipment outside of your wheelchair that you use, can you describe that, that time? Um, yeah, I had to get a bicycle and, uh, cause I needed, I'm, so I'm also a type one diabetic, which requires some physical activity to keep alive and stay healthy on top of everything else. Um, so I had to learn how to manage my diabetes as well after I broke my back, which was completely different because my caloric intake is down about 40%. Um, even as much as I work out, I'm still, I can only eat 40% of what I used to. Um, yeah, so I uh, ended up getting a bicycle from a company called Lasher Sport. They were based in Anchorage, Alaska. Now they're out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, so it's a magnesium framed, um, they call it the ATH all-terrain hand cycle. And I will be, as we all know, if you're in the adaptive world, uh, adaptive equipment is not the same price as regular equipment. So what would normally be a three to $5,000 bicycle was all of a sudden way more than $10,000 for a bike. Mm. So I got a grant from the High Fives Foundation. I used to race bicycles, so I sold 12 bicycles, sold a bunch of my ski gear, and that's how I was able to get a bike to start exercising again. So yeah, uh, used that for a year, just trying to figure out how to get back in shape and do something with my life. And then uh, a year later, I did a a bike race and a running race, so I kind of got back into doing some athletic stuff with it. Yeah, nice, mate. And, And skiing, I guess that's something else you got into? Yeah, skiing is by far my largest passion in life. Um, I got into it, I mean, compared to the rest of my friends, I got into it late in life. I didn't start until I was after high school, Um, but I skied in college. I skied semi-professionally for uh, the company I worked for, for Rosignol, and then I've worked for that company for 19 years going on right now. So yeah, I uh, the folks at Teton Gravity Research, they're a ski movie company. They put out the word, and all of a sudden, within three days, enough money to buy an Alpine sit ski showed up, and that was pretty amazing. Um, I mean, I'd spent a lot of time in my life in the ski industry helping other people, not hoping that I was going to get hurt and need help myself, but uh, the whole pay it forward concept, uh, it's its truly there. I, that just showed up. and those, I mean, uh, sit skis are probably eight to $10,000 with all the parts. Mm. So, I mean, you got your bucket, you got your ski, you got your frame and suspension um i work for a ski company so the actual ski itself is not such a big deal for me um my insurance wasn't willing to help me out with non-work related expenses because i was hurt on the job and not that um so i got another grant from the kelly brush foundation to help me buy a nordic sit ski awesome and that's uh, look i've never tried that but uh, man i just imagine that's a lot of pain <laughs> a lot of uh, pain. you know so I'm approximately a T12 injury. I have uh, spinal injuries from T9 to L3. So I have a li- most of my, not all my abs, but most of my abs. Um, and But I have a large metal rods in my back. I've got eight vertebrae bolted together, so I can't really bend that much. But I have enough abs I can activate, and I can activate my hip flexors a little bit. So I do a double pull, and my arms and my shoulders work okay. So, uh, yeah, so I'm double pulling, and... The kind of thing like you would not want to arm wrestle me type of deal. So, <laughs> yeah, man, you're a burly, you're a burly looking fella. I'm I'm uh, six foot five and two hundred and thirty five pounds. So, so I'm one hundred ninety five centimeters, you guys, in the room, and one hundred and ten kilos. So, and a pretty impressive beard to go with that too. I might add. 
Yeah. So the, the beard is, uh, I've always had some type of facial hair, but uh, I started selling beard products to, I have a program called Team Gimp Squad. I'm a gimp. I kind of make fun of it. But that's my racing and athletic program, but it's also what I do to go into hospitals and help people out. Uh, and selling beard products funds all that. And you can't sell beard products unless you have a good beard. Um, <laughs> yes. So last year I bought 12 sit skis for the Anchorage School District. So there's 45,000 students here, and I think there's, I think they said about 100 kids in wheelchairs and probably only like 10 or 20 that could actually benefit from adaptive sports because some people with developmental disabilities can't really do anything. Yeah, so I bought 12 sit skis for the school district for so high school, middle school age students can get outside in the snow in the winter, which they couldn't do previously. Mate, that is amazing. Well done. And, uh, That's so cool. And I work in the sporting goods industry, so my money goes a lot farther than your money goes. So, it's uh, so good, man. Good on you. That's they're fantastic. Hey, so uh, you know, just tell us one of the one of the hardest things that you 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 had to overcome was it. Was it physical? Was it uh, psychological? H- how would you describe uh, to someone else listening how you overcame, you know, that challenge? Um, I would say, honestly, it was a psychological part. I had a pretty positive attitude about it, but uh, I was married for a little over 10 years prior to getting injured. And uh, after I got out of the hospital, she left because of my injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was told very plainly to me that that was a part of why. So that was extremely hard to deal with. Um, because I was still me and just, I couldn't do everything I used to do. So, I mean, I'm back to being a good athlete again, but at that point when I was just out of the hospital, I was still healing and I was not capable of much of anything because, because you're out of the hospital, it means you can survive. doesn't mean you're, you're ready to do everything. Hey, so tell me, how did you make it through that time? I had a lot of friends and I, I hate to admit it, but I drink a lot of alcohol too, but I had a friend for <laughs> over 70 different days different friends come by for a bike ride every day after work. And uh, that was some exercise to burn off some steam. And of course they brought a six pack of beer. I drank at least four of those six packs. Um, So that wasn't really good for me health wise, but it was good for me mental wise. And uh, obviously I realized that I can't drink so much alcohol um, because I don't need as many calories as I used to. So uh, I had to cut back on that, but it was, I had a lot of friends that made sure I had someone to talk to and hang out with every single day. So that that helped a lot. So there's some there's some advice there for all of us listening. Uh, you know, look after your friends. You know, ensure you've got good people around you because uh, you know you guys can have each other's back when the time gets tough. Yeah, it's important. I'm the same. I have great friends and family and and a supportive wife and and son. And man, I, I don't know where I'd be without without all those people. So yeah, it's yeah. Important. And uh, I mean, I was never suicidal or anything, but I've lost three friends in the last year that um because of suicide and i and uh not from paralysis just other aspects of life that i thought were in perfect shape that i probably never told them enough how much i cared about them so i definitely make it a point to make sure i appreciate my friends every single day because i would not be here without them good advice right there good advice definitely hey so tell us about um how you see yourself now what uh what, what's the ira now uh Compared to uh, your, I mean, compared to your own early preconceptions of life in a wheelchair, what? How do you see living life in a wheelchair now? Then uh, you know that's different than you did when you were first uh, using a wheelchair. Uh, I'm doing a lot better with things. 
I mean, my crowd of people that I hung out with were Olympic athletes. And another good friend of mine, she's an Olympic gold medalist, just won a medal in cross-country skiing this winter at the, at the Olympics in Sochi. Or not so, uh, Pyeongchang. So, uh, yeah, I was part of the crazy athlete crowd. I can no longer keep up with my friends anymore, no matter what happens. Uh, I don't have an electric assist on my bike yet. So maybe someday that I'll, I'll be able to keep up with them, but uh, I still hang out with them socially. But uh, all my normal non-superhuman friends think I still do way too much, uh, and I think I'm doing half as much as I used to. So it's uh, it's turning into a happy medium. I've accepted that I can't do as many things as I used to. I need more rest than I used to. Um, life is draining, um, pushing a wheelchair around, and all the health issues you got to deal with. Mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't get as much sleep as I should, but I still do a lot of fun things and every year I'm able to accomplish more. I mean, this last year I rode a two wheeled bike again. I got a, a downhill bike at the ski resort. So, uh, which is pretty freaking awesome. Um, but again, it comes down to time. There's only so much time you can do all the things. So I'm back to doing a lot, but, uh, it's still not as much as I used to, but compared to the average human being, I'm, I still probably do a tremendous amount. Cause I, like you mentioned before, I also, apart from the sports and the athletic side, I, do pretty much subsistence living in Alaska. So yeah, look, tell us a bit about that, man. I'm really, really keen. I mean, I've seen photos of you with some giant salmon with 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 prawns or, or shrimp, if you call that's what you call them. We, uh, we call them shrimp. I mean, they're huge, but uh, you know, yeah, man, and, and harvest of uh, you know of uh, rhubarb and you know just fresh produce, and you you can them and do all sorts of things. So just. You know, tell us about where that came from and, and what, if any, modifications you've had to make to, to enable you to do those things. Like, how have you modified your boat? How how do you how do you do all these things, man? Yeah, so uh, I'm not in my wheelchair a lot is the best way to put it. So I have uh, – there's a couple of different uh, – I call them a strap-on butt. Um, they're my fake ass or however you want to put it. But uh, there's one from Vicare. It's called the All-Rounder. It's basically like a climbing harness with a pad on your butt. Mm. And then uh, J, J cushions have what they call the J protector. Um, and both of those have worked pretty good for me. They both have their advantages and disadvantages, and they're both sort of durable. I wear them out pretty quick because I roll around on everything. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm down on the ground or scooting around on four-wheelers or snowmobiles or the back of trucks. And anytime I'm not in my wheelchair, I'm wearing that pad because – I have a very like many of us in the wheel in the paralysis. My atrophy is extreme. You can touch my bones right through my skin. So you yeah, gotta be really be careful, careful about about your skin issues. So I use that every day. I have two of them. One stays in my truck. One stays at the house. And uh, every couple of years, I get a new one. So I have a third one. So for until I wear out the old one. And uh, yeah, that allows me to get around and not have to worry about my skin as much. Because in my boat, I just sit on the pilot's chair. I drive. I have a twenty-one foot or a seven-meter uh, a river boat uh, with a fifty-horsepower engine and a ten-horsepower backup engine. And I take that out in rivers, catch salmon, and then uh, on good weather days, I can go on the coastal areas in the ocean and catch shrimp or halibut or other types of seafood. And I take a lot of friends out with me, so that cuts my expenses down because they pay my expenses. I provide the fun. <laughs> That's a good plan. And so and, how, uh, how do you launch? And presumably your friends help you launch. And, and Yeah. So uh, the harbor I launch out of, the, lady's been, the harbor master has been there like 26 or 27 years now. And I'm the first guy in a wheelchair that's ever launched there. There's been a lot of passengers in wheelchairs, but she says I'm the first guy in a wheelchair. So I just uh, instruct my crew how to hold on to the ropes 
And when we put the boat in the water, that's all I do. Everything from the truck, I have latches I can let go of to unloosen the boat. Um, but yeah, I uh, pretty much do it all. And then all my friends have to do is clip the thing back on, and I can winch the winch the boat back onto the, the trailer when I'm done. But it's a small boat. If I had a larger ocean boat, which I don't obviously have the money for that, uh, that would be a more involved process. I'd have to have a friend that actually knew what they were doing in order to get the boat back on the trailer. So, a, you know, getting getting onto the boat, uh, you know, so it's in the water, it's alongside a jetty. Uh, yeah, I transfer yeah. from my wheelchair down to the ground, and I scoot from the ground and flip my feet over the side of the boat and then set my butt on the boat rail, and then I sit on the gas tank. And then transfer from there over to the uh, the pilot's chair. The, and I have a steering wheel and an acceleration console. Uh, so the boat is approximately three and a half meters wide, uh, about ten feet wide. Uh, so it's not a really big boat, but uh, it's enough to get. I can. I have a two and a half meter arm span, so it's. Uh, I have really long arms, so I can transfer a long ways. That would be really hard if you were a small person, but I, I can make it work because I have enough strength and enough leverage to get myself long distances when I transfer. Yeah, so um, if you put a seat in or something, couldn't you, like a bench or you can build some yeah, stuff in there? Yeah, I'm sure I could put a bench to get transferred two times if I was smaller. Um, but yeah, I so I put that strap-on butt pad underneath my rain gear. So I have like commercial fishing rain gear. I used to work in salmon biology. So I've been on research shows. I've done crab work. Uh, I was, yeah, like the kind of stuff you see in Deadliest Catch, that old crab TV show. Um, I've been on all those kind of places out in the Aleutian Islands, out towards Russia. Uh, so I have a lot of commercial fishing rainwear, and I wear that, and I put my pad underneath that. So I just scoot around on the dock and into my wheelchair or out of that. Uh, going up the ramps, if it's a really low tide, the ramp out of the dock from is pretty steep. So... I can make it, but it helps if I have someone push me. And I'm the only guy that anyone's ever seen doing a wheelchair. So oftentimes they ask me to push me before I even ask them to. So, um, but most of the time I can make it up the hill on my own. It's just slow. But uh, yeah, so I, I, it's a small boat. On bigger boats, I go out with friends. I will uh, just sit on the edge, and it's about equal height transfer from my wheelchair to the edge of the boat, and then. Fl- I uh, usually have just a pad I sit on the edge of the boat, and then I'll flip my wheel- legs over and then put my wheelchair inside the boat. And that way I don't have to have the strap-on butt pad because I sit in my wheelchair cushion. And the larger ocean boats, I can just uh, roll around to the back deck in my chair. So I imagine, uh, you know, in my mind, Alaska is a cold place or can be a very cold place. How do you how do you deal with the cold? Uh, you know, our summers aren't so bad. Today is uh, 24 degrees Celsius, so it's like... Um, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, it's sunny. Yesterday was 18 degrees Celsius in rain. The hottest it ever gets is like 28 degrees ever. And usually that's very few and far between, but it's in the twenties most of the time. I'm guessing you guys are in Celsius down there in New Zealand. We are. Yeah. And okay, good. good. Sorry. I was a scientist. So I can speak English or I can speak American or science because <laughs> uh, we don't use anything like that you guys use. Um, yeah. So, uh, in the winter, it's uh, it gets cold. I mean, we're in the extreme north, so uh, I think we're a little farther north than the south end of South Island is on the south. So um, as far as the daylight, we, we get like five hours of daylight in the winter uh, on the coldest, the shortest day. Uh, but it's not that cold. We're right on the ocean. So I think sometimes it'll get down to minus 40. Most of the time, the coldest it ever gets is minus 20. And... Uh, most of the winter is probably minus ten to twelve. So, and yeah, I imagine um, you spend a fair bit of time indoors in the winter, or do you enjoy outdoor 
you know, recreation as well. I uh, live, my neighborhood is right next to a large Nordic trail system. So there are almost 300 kilometers of groomed ski trails in Anchorage for Nordic skiing. And some of them are multi-purpose for horses and dogs and skiing and sleds and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I can go ski 10 minutes from my house uh, just outside the I mean, it's three minutes for a normal person to go ski, but it takes me 10 minutes because I'm in a wheelchair um, to get to the ski trails. And, and uh, it's, a, it's a pretty pretty hefty cardio cardiovascular workout, yeah? Yeah, Nordic skiing for normal able-bodied people is the most um, effective cardiovascular workout. That's why they have the Nordic tracker. It's a full-body, full-core workout. Um, I have most of my lower core and all of my upper core. And, uh, I mean, I'm missing some muscles from my rib cage down, but I still have some of them. And, uh, yeah, so I try to Nordic ski and then I can also, I have a dog and dogs need exercise just like people do, or they go crazy. And if you've ever had a dog that didn't get exercise, it's bad for your house because they chew things or they <laughs> take things out as spite. So my dog is very wonderful. She's only a year and a half old now because my other one passed away a year ago. But yeah, they need to be exercised. So uh, not only do I need exercise for my sanity, I need exercise for my sanity for the dog's sanity. So Hey, so that could be, be a, a life hack, a bit of a tip for people with a spinal cord injury. Get a dog, and then they'll, they'll force you to uh, to get out and exercise more. Yeah, and uh, she's not a service animal at this point. Uh, probably that's not going to work out. I was hoping it was. She's a little more stubborn than I planned, but uh, I'm stronger-willed than she is. But also, I mean, I've been training her how to pick things off the ground for me. I can grab things off the ground. It's just very difficult. And so she's getting better at doing that, and... Uh, just basic other things like she'll come get me things or so a dog is nice in that way apart from the company side. So, I mean, I have lots of friends, but hey, so on the, on the gardening front. So, you know, fishing is obviously, obviously a big thing, but have you made any modifications or is any tips or tricks you'd like to share around, uh, around gardening? Yeah, I have raised beds, uh, where I use containers, which are like large pots. So I have about 150, 170, five and 10 gallon pots. Um, they're about the size of five gallon buckets, sometimes a little bit larger diameter. Uh, so those are almost two feet off the ground or almost half meter off the ground. Um, uh, so that makes a big difference cause I can't bend over to weed like I used to. I have a couple of garden beds that are actually still on the ground. So I have to actually get on my butt pad and scoot around on the ground to weed those. Um, and we have, even right now, the sun doesn't go down till 9.30 at night, almost 10 o'clock at night. 10 o'clock, it's starting to get dark. Um, and then we're starting to lose light like almost five minutes a day. But uh, yeah, we get so much light that things grow. Like my lettuce is growing three inches per day right now. Um, that's a wow. lot. So it's like 10, 10 12, almost 10 centimeters per day. It's growing that fast. And I pulled out my... Uh, squash already but like the pumpkins were growing like half meter per day wow because i have good soil i use a lot of compost and organic fertilizers i make and uh, we just have so much light and it's been raining now so rain plus light equals growth yeah and uh like so but yeah i have raised and then i have a couple of in the ground raised beds that are two meters by four meters and those are almost I would say they're the level of my wheelchair cushions. So I ride uh, the 590 wheels. Um, so that's what size I use for my wheelchair. So it's probably 75 centimeters tall, I guess, on the side. So I don't have to reach over as far. That way I can spend my reach to reach in to grab things. 
to grab weeds and stuff. And I go from both sides. So it's two meters wide, but I can reach in a meter from both sides. That's and yeah, good one. One of those I built this last year, so I'm using it this year, and I have another one almost built that I'll hopefully be ready to plant next spring. Um, and then I have, but yeah, the height issue is the deal. That's the problem because it's hard to get down to harvest things. It's hard to get down to weed things. Um, if you have tall vegetables, you can harvest them when they're higher. So I put those in the smaller, shorter pots. But uh, most of the things I have, you got to cut them off at the ground when you're ready to harvest. Yeah, so nice. I, good tip. Yeah, so I uh, definitely, and then I have, when I'm getting everything planted, I grow in a shed. I have to have some heat that is my ski shed so I can wax skis in the winter. But I start my plants with some grow lights in March mostly. So by the time May, early May comes out when the last frost is ready, I am almost ready to harvest as soon as they go on the ground. Like I'm eating fresh salads in May. So that just takes a little extra planning because I'm full-time skiing until April and May. So to have ski gear and gardening gear at the same spot is challenging. <laughs> yeah, totally. But hey, so uh, yeah, what frustrates you these days, uh, Ira? There, surely there's something that frustrates you, or there's something you wish you could solve. Well, like every paralyzed guy, you got bowel and bladder and sexual issues. But uh, yeah, I mean those are. You learn to deal with them. They're a constant frustration, but it's a fact of life. Um, I'm sure, like a lot of people I've talked to, if I'd be happy never to walk again if I didn't have those issues. So, but uh, like last year, I got in this program called Paristine. It's uh, kind of like an enema, I guess, is what the best way to put it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, my bowel accidents have significantly reduced, like less than monthly now, versus before it was several times a week so what's it called can you say that one more time it's uh peristine p-e-r-i-s-t-e-e-n and it's available all over the world it's made in america but it's mostly in europe because it's hard to it's hard to get it in america apparently but it's all over europe okay it's like in sort of an enema an enema um or like a b-day sort of thing yeah uh yeah i mean it's got a catheter you stick inside and it's, it works pretty good. And anyway, it, it's, uh, that's my, and again, like I'm active. So I use my core and when you squeeze everything, everything that's inside squeezes out. So, so even though I think I've cleaned everything out beforehand, sometimes it doesn't always work out that way, but I've had even as active as I am many less accidents than I've used to. Yeah, that's, um, cool. that's worth, that's definitely worth checking out for the, for those listeners that are, uh, that, that are struggling with that. I mean, and as those of us with paralysis, that's all of us have that issue. Yeah. Yes, so, yes. and, uh, you know, life goes slower. I have a lot of friends like this year. A lot of my friends actually had lives. So I didn't get as much help as I usually get on a lot of my projects. So it's a lot harder to do things on my own, like completely on my own, even having someone that doesn't have a lot of knowledge, just having an extra set of hands helps sometimes. So, uh, like I have a lot of help to do my projects, but sometimes it, it's I get a lot less done when I'm not doing it with friends. So hey, so what's next for you, Ira? What is the what does the future hold? Uh, well, we are coming up onto ski mo- ski season here in another month. Um, I apart from my job with the ski company Rosinol, I also do a lot of fundraising for avalanche groups and other ski related nonprofits. So I also show ski movies around Alaska. Um, so I put on the MC on stage showing that. So I'm getting pretty excited about getting everyone else excited about skiing. Um, that's a that's a pretty cool thing for me and uh you know as far as hunting and fishing and gardening it's just figuring out ways to do it more efficiently um not a lot of huge modifications what i'm doing but 
every year I learn how to plan better or, I mean, I'm still learning new stuff every year. It seems like after eight years, I would have should have figured it out, but I still learn new stuff every year. So that's so good. Um, and any, any other uh, wheelchair life hacks or, or advice, uh, sort of parting advice that you'd like to share with, uh, with those listening? Uh, I'm pretty good friends and I didn't go to my rehab at the university of Washington in America, but, uh, they have, and I don't know the exact link. I just Google it when I need to show somebody, but, uh, the university of Washington school of medicine has a, uh, their physical therapy department has a series of rehab videos on like how to do everything in a wheelchair, how to go off curbs, how to climb stairs, how to do wheelies across stuff. I mean, a lot, apparently a lot of hospitals don't teach you how to do that kind of stuff. And those are various, those are huge things in life to be able to go off of a sidewalk curb into a street because the, the ramp might be blocked or something. Um, do that in a wheelie and bump downstairs, things like that. So uh, they've started putting that together in the last year. And that's probably the best resource I've ever seen for how to do a lot of things. My hospital taught me how to do all this stuff. They wouldn't let us out until we could do it. But uh, I've met friends at at least three or four other rehab hospitals that could not go off of a sidewalk curb. Hey, we'll, um, we'll we'll put we'll put a link to that in uh, in the the article that comes uh, comes alongside this podcast. Yeah, I'll have to find so it and show it to you. So that sounds that sounds really really awesome. Uh, well, hey, thanks, Ira. Really appreciate your time, uh, mate. All the best for the for the garlic harvest and uh, and and processing the the rest of the produce before winter. And uh, look forward to catching up uh, with you again, maybe uh, maybe at some point in the future to talk more. Yeah, I'm uh, getting geared up to start harvesting apples pretty soon. That's going to be another week or two. Mate, every time I see a photo on uh, on your Instagram, it's uh, I mean I just feel hungry. It's uh, you, you you live a bountiful life, mate. And uh, yep, so thank you for uh, for all you do. Okay, um, yeah, so I'll send you some links and we can uh, get that stuff put out. So. Awesome, mate. All right. Thanks for your time, mate. We'll sign off now and um, touch base later on. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Thanks. All right. See you, mate. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and meeting today's Adaptifier. To learn more about Adaptify and the products we have in development, products that will increase freedom for wheelchair users, go to adaptdefy.com. That's A-D-A-P-T-D-E-F-Y. We're also on all the major social media platforms at Adaptify. Follow us there for more behind-the-scenes looks and more up-to-date information on product releases. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Look forward to catching you next time.